worship this morning. Praying you all are staying safe on the roads. It's raining hard out there.
Hallelujah. Jesus, you are worthy. And we worship you. We thank you for your love, your great love for us that's never failing, that endures forever. Hallelujah. And we worship you today. In Jesus' name. If you can agree with that, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, before you're seated, it's great to see you today. You know, when Southern California gets as much rain as what we have gotten today, it's like you're in Buffalo, New York, and just got 10 feet of snow. <laughs> Amen. Before you're seated, why don't you turn around, go across the aisle, greet some several people today, give them a warm welcome, and God bless you. And after you've done that, you may be seated. For those of you who are joining us on Facebook and YouTube today, we want to say welcome. We're setting up. We're going to have just a, a few minutes. The children are going to do a little presentation for us this morning, and so we're glad that you have joined us online. Amen. Praise the Lord. So as you can see, we're, we have an extensive set to set up today for you for this production. And... Um, as you can see so anyway we're we're good all right so we're going to let the children and miss angela and the teachers come and show us the christmas story this morning let's give them a round of applause as they come up Christmas fills our heart with joy and think of the time with our family, friends, gifts, lights, and holiday spirit. But Christmas means much more. It's the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us travel back to Bethlehem and share a story of his birth. And it came to pass in those days that went out a decree that all the world should be taxed. And Joseph went into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed with his wife Mary, who was with child. 
And so it was, while they were there,
<laughs> and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were not afraid. And suddenly there is with angels a multitude in the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory, Glory to, God to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And then, when they saw Mary and the young child, they fell down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures, the and the gifts presented to him were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. As we see the twinkling Christmas lights, let us remember the star that led the wise men to the Savior. And remember, as we give and receive gifts and enjoy the joy of the season, that Jesus is the biggest gift of all. May the spirit of Christmas stay in our hearts and in our lives throughout the whole year.
Good. Didn't they do a great job? That was really good, yeah. Thank you, Angela and Heather and Deanna and Karen and all the uh, cleanup crew for the snowballs. <laughs> Children are great. You know, you don't want it to be perfect because that's what makes it fun. One year we had a little girl, and she was an angel, and when she saw her father, her, her angel wings like they were cardboard, and so they flapped, and she saw her dad, and when she saw her dad, she went running out into the congregation, and her little wings were just flapping. Anyway, it's precious, amen. We, we appreciate all those who help in our children's ministry. We want to in, uh, tell you if this is your first time that you're worshiping with us today, that we're very glad that you're here. And you can find in the seat back around you, you can find connect cards. And with that, if you wouldn't mind just filling it out and putting it in the offering so we can have a record of your visit as well as any information about you. We're happy to contact you um, if you regularly attend the church. If you would like to be involved in some way, if you need prayer or you need any communication with us, those connect cards are in the uh, uh, chairs around you to make an easy way for you to contact us. And we will... Uh, we will be in touch with you this week regarding any needs that you may have. Um, just a few announcements. We want to remind you that in our bookstore this month, we're having our bookstore sale. Everything is 20% off as well. Um, Pastor Mike's uh, CDs and MP3s are, you buy one, you get 50% off. So it's a great gift for somebody to give them the word for Christmas. This afternoon, after the morning service, there's going to be a Christmas party. No, it's not the Christmas concert yet. It's going to be a Christmas party for uh, the 55-plus group at the home of Joe and Star Savage. Uh, Star, would you stand, stand up, please? This is Star, and Joe is along the wall right there. Joe, if you want to raise your hand. And there's uh, directions to their house. You can find it at the information center, or you can see them after uh, the service if you have any questions. And so um, they're going to have a great time uh, at that party today. Um, then uh, we do want to remind you that tonight uh, at 5 o'clock we'll be having our Christmas concert. We've been announcing this for a number of weeks. We're excited. It's going to be a lovely Christmas evening together. And so be sure to come, invite a neighbor, friend, family, somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people that are looking for something free to do, and this is free. Uh, what a blessing that is. And um, it will be a beautiful evening together. So join us. Uh, tonight at five o'clock. Uh, we want to remind you that we have Christmas services on Christmas Eve at five o'clock and Christmas morning at 9.30 a.m. Then I just want to give you a, a quick testimony of a lady in our church. She was sharing with me. Um, she had had a lot of challenges on her job, uh, a lot of persecution on her job, um, a lot of politics on her job. It was difficult, but you know, she stayed steady and she trusted the Lord. She did what was right. She stayed steady. And um, they did some unethical things toward her. 
And as a result, uh, she lost her job, uh, which will, in the end, prove out to be a blessing. That's all I'll say about that. And anyway, the Lord put in her heart, the Lord uh, had, had put in her heart, he's going to bring a different job to her, which he did. She made twice the amount of money as what she was making on the first job. And the benefits were better, the people were better, and let's just say, it kind of like those Old Testament stories, you know, where, uh, you know, there are obstacles that God's people are facing, and it looks like all hope is lost, and it looks dark. God is faithful when you stay steady, and you trust in him, and you serve him. They come, they, we always come out on top. Amen? Amen. So we rejoice with her about that. And then um, also, we wanted to let you know that Edwina Williams, Edwina is the lady uh, her husband, Alfred, went home to be with the Lord this past year. They always sat right here on the third row on the end. Edwina always wore, always wore a hat. Sweetest lady, came, have come to our church for many years. She had a stroke a few weeks ago, and um, she was in the hospital, and now she is in a nursing care facility. And so if you know her, if you would like to go visit her or contact her, um, we are going to pray with her and agree with her and her family today for um, supernatural recovery for her. But if you would like, if you know her and you've wondered where she is, please contact the office, and we will give you information about how you can perhaps go see her. She would like um, she would like some visitors. And then um, the last thing is um, something that we're going to agree with the family about, but it's also uh, a praise report, and that is Lindsay Leland, <clears throat> who some of you may know as Lindsay Choate, grew up in our church. Uh, she was in the ICU the last few days, and um, she was just attacked in her body. And um, so the good news is she is on the mend. She has made a turn, and um, I'm, I'm not sure when she's going to be out of ICU, but we suspect today or tomorrow she will be out of the ICU. What we're going to agree with the family about is to uh, pinpoint exactly what was causing the symptoms that she had in her body. The family really wants to know that because right now, the great news is everything that the doctors have tested her for has come back negative. So they, they, is, that's great news. So, um, so we do want to agree with the family on that. And then just the last thing, um, uh, the ushers want to come. At this time, we're going to take up our offering. Um, you can find envelopes in the seat backs around you, uh, or you can give electronically. We are also taking up um, special orphan offering this month for three different orphan groups. Uh, the uh, orphanage that we regularly support in the Philippines, as well as Nepal, or Terry Mize's orphan groups. You can give toward just orphans, designate that on your envelope, or if there's one of these particular uh, groups or countries that's on your heart, if you will designate it on your envelope, Nepal, Philippines, or Mize, we will give all of that money directly to them. Okay, so far we have $4,500, praise the Lord, that has come in toward that. And be sure to de designate it there, um, and then you designate also your tithes and offerings separately, as you well know. Hallelujah. Well, I said a lot in a short period of time, and I'm even out of breath. <laughs> oh, okay.
okay. I was running around with children all morning. That's why. That's my excuse. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. We're so grateful and thankful, Lord, that we are not alone in this Christian walk of ours, but we are in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. We thank you for our church family. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in this church who encourage us, who lift us up, who pray for us. And so we do that today for Edwina. We lift her up, Father, and we just thank you that the life of God ministers to her body, to her mind, to every cell of her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet and quickens her body in the name of Jesus. We surround her with faith and love. And we agree with Lindsay's family, and we thank you for wisdom and insight for the doctors to find the cause of this, to prevent anything like this from ever attacking her in the future. We thank you that you continue to strengthen her, quicken her by the life of God. We declare her healed and healthy and whole from the top of her head to the soles of her feet in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we bring to you as worship and as obedience our tithes and our offerings And we thank you that as we do it, and we do it with glad hearts and thankful hearts for how you take care of us. We thank you that the windows of heaven are open unto us and are open unto our church, that you pour out a blessing, that there's not room enough to to, uh, receive it. We declare over our church family divine protection, divine peace, divine prosperity. In the name of Jesus, if you can agree with that, say amen. Amen. Well, before we sing this song, um, we've sang this song before a few times, um, but I was listening to a podcast this past week, um, and it was the writer and singer of the song, and I heard a little bit more behind the inspiration of the lyrics, and so I thought I'd share, um, but she said that she was walking down the street, and she saw a homeless man. And the Lord just prompted her and just said, smile at him, just smile. And so she was like, okay, I can do that. So she smiled at him and he smiled back and the Lord told her, even in just a smile, they will know my love. And I thought that was just so precious that sometimes we feel like we have to do so much for one another and really we could just give them um, God's joy and God's peace and just a smile. And so um, as we sing this song, um, just listen to the words and just knowing her heart behind the song um, makes it even more precious and um, more tangible and uh, how we can truly just reach people with the Lord's love and we really don't need to do that much. Um, So I guess my encouragement to you is as you're walking, as you're going through your day, listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to what He's telling you because He might just want you to smile at someone and you never know what they're going through, but it can really make their day. me be filled with kindness and compassion for the world. 
bless you. We magnify your name. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for your great love toward us. Father, we thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost, direction and utterance 
that we might speak the word of God that you would have your people to hear we'll give you all the praise the honor and the glory for all that is done in Jesus precious name amen amen you may be seated well let's make our confession this is our year of jubilee we expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost in power we believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus name amen amen this last week I caught myself reminiscing about some things there were things that the Holy Ghost were brought to my attention I was saved just a few days before my seventh birthday and by praying in the, my mother's bedroom. She led me into salvation. And I've really grown up in the church most all of my life. I was in the Baptist church. There were a lot of activities and things like that going on for the kids. And that was probably the thing that drew me to that that church my mom didn't go to that church she went to another church a Presbyterian church and so there would be well the normal routine on Sundays is she'd drop me off at church and then she'd go to the other church and there were things that I remember that took place in that Baptist church there were times when someone would die of sickness or contract some disease and the church would pray for them but they would always pray Lord if it be your will heal this person and they just assumed that if they got healed it was God's will and if they didn't, it wasn't. And nobody can get healed on that kind of prayer. Because the Bible says faith begins where the will of God is known. And so there were things that took place in my teenage years in that church. I learned all the Bible stories in Sunday school and things like that. And I guess I was becoming or had become a nominal Christian. I knew the story of Jesus. I knew that he came to the earth and died for our sins. And I knew that I had eternal life on the inside of me. I've always been aware of God's presence. I've always talked to God. I didn't realize that that was prayer because it was conversations and things that I would talk to him about concerning me and my life. And, well, really, that was it. That was the only thing I was concerned about is me. And so I reached my 18th year, and I came across a man by the name of Kenneth Hagin. I'm not real clear on all the details 
or how it came about, but there was a, a cassette tape that I began listening to or had an opportunity to listen to. Didn't even hear the whole thing, but it was talking about faith. It was talking about the words that we speak and so forth. And looking back at it, I remember that I wasn't attracted, hooked on what he was saying. It was different than anything I'd ever heard. He was talking about the fact that man has authority on the earth. And by the operation of faith, he can change things to bring the blessing of God to us. And I was involved in other things and, and concerned with my own life and my own plans and so forth. And so it didn't really have that much of an impact on me. But about a year and a half later, still in my college years, I heard, I think it was the same tape, the same message. And that time, the Holy Ghost began to deal with me. And it started me on a course that would change my life. It wasn't very long after that that I came across a cassette tape series, Mountain Moving Faith series. And I listened to those things, listened to those tapes over and over and over again. And I don't know if you remember, but with those cassette tapes, there was always the opportunity for those tapes to unwind on the spool. And there were times, I guess the first time my faith ever consciously worked was when I lost one of those tapes to the recorder and was able to, to peel it off and keep it, keep it running, keep it going again. It was a six-tape series, and it changed my life. It made me start looking at things in a different way. It showed me some things about God and his character and his love and his concern for us. And it set me on track to go to Rama Bible Training Center. And when I got to Rama, there were many supernatural things couple of miracles involved that got me from Birmingham, Alabama to Tulsa, Oklahoma. But there was one of the things that I remember most about that is the, the need for spiritual development. I never remember hearing about anything concerning spiritual growth in any of my years in the Baptist church that I was saved in and grew up in. But there were certain key things that I remember that God led me into that started me on a path of spiritual development. And I just had my heart to share these four things 
that changed me from being a nominal Christian without very, with very little value, if any, to the body of Christ. To a place where I know God better than I know any other human being. The first thing that I remember having a specific impact was that I learned that man is a spirit being. He has a soul made up of his mind, his will, and his emotions. And he lives in a body. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul said, I pray God, the God of peace, would sanctify you wholly, completely, in other words, and preserve your spirit, soul, and body under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason that this had such an impact on me was because it opens up the knowledge of the spiritual realm and the conflict between the spiritual realm and the natural realm. The Bible tells us in Daniel and Ezekiel, it identifies the devil's operation in the spirit realm to impact and change things in the natural and the physical realm. If you don't understand that you are a spirit being, you're never going to operate in the highest type of faith. You're never going to know what it means to believe with the heart. You're never going to experience or come to the knowledge of the reality of our praises unto God. Jesus said, man, is a, uh, God is a spirit and requires that we worship him in spirit and in truth. If you don't know anything about the spiritual realm, if you don't know that you are a spirit being, then you cannot worship God in the manner that, that he requires I was about 20 years old when I came to the understanding of some of these things, at least the, the reality of this, some of these things, and was very little, had very little value as far as the, the kingdom of God is concerned. Knowing that we're spirit beings has a lot to do with the authority that man was given and the meaning of that authority. I don't mean to be critical and I'm certainly not blaming the Baptist church. They're not responsible for me. I am. But there were stories in the Bible that were left out. The story of when Israel came to the promised land in Numbers chapter 13 
and they sent spies into the, to the land. Moses sent 12 spies in to look at the land and come back and report the condition thereof. The Bible says that the 12 spies brought back some of the fruit and it was so much greater than anything that they had experienced before. They brought back a cluster of grapes that was so big they had to carry it on a pole between two people. But 10 of these 12 spies came back with an evil report. They said that they couldn't take the land. Two of them, Caleb and Joshua, tried to convince them that God was on their side. And because of that, he would lead them into victory and give them the promised land or the land that he had promised to them would come into their possession. Folks, I never heard that story in the Baptist church. Stories concerning the authority that God has given us. For example, Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I never heard that in the years, 15 or so years in the Baptist church. I never heard that verse of Scripture. If you had asked me, do I believe in prayer at that point in time in my life, I would have said yes. But I wouldn't have really had any experience, any prayers that were answered during that time that would add to or be the foundation for believing in prayer. There's so much of the church world that the devil has under lockdown because of the lack of spiritual hunger for the truth of the word. When I began to study the scriptures concerning man on three dimensions, spirit, soul, and body, it began to create in me a hunger for the word of God like I'd never had before. The second key to my spiritual development was in finding out that we are ruled by our confession. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith that was another verse of scripture we never got to in the Baptist church folks our confession establishes the boundaries of our lives I made mention of the situation in Numbers chapter 13 when Israel came to the edge of the promised land. It's such a clear example 
of the ten spies who said they couldn't take the land. And that kept them out of the promised land. They simply said that they could not do what God said they could do. We were ruled by the confession of our tongue. The Bible tells us to hold fast the confession of our faith. That implies that the devil is going to try to take it away from us. I didn't know too much about that from the teaching of the church that I grew up in. I didn't know there was a good fight of faith. And that good fight of faith, when waged according to the scripture, would bring the blessings of God into your life. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, Paul says to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Now he's not telling Timothy to get saved. Hold fast to his confession and get saved. Timothy was already saved. He was saying, and it's important for us to understand, that it's only through this good fight of faith, the maintaining of our confession in the face of contradicting circumstance, that good fight of faith is the way, the only way, that we can lay hold of the blessings of God and make them a reality in our own lives. I guess we could sum up some of the things that I experienced by saying that we were looking for God to do everything according to his will and we were letting circumstances identify the will of God. The idea was if we prayed for God to do his will in our lives then whatever happened after that must have been God's will. Another thing, another key to spiritual development is something that's so very simple that it's a mystery how so many people stumble and fall over this very simple truth. And that is God is always good and the devil is always evil. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the words that I speak unto you, no, John chapter 10, verse 10, I'm quoting something else. John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life more abundantly. One of the things that I gathered from my time in the Baptist church was that we didn't really know who our enemy was. When sickness attacked us, prayer was no escape 
or it didn't result in the healing power of God. Every now and then you'd get some situation where God would, based on his own mercy, would deliver somebody or do something to help somebody out. And that became even more of a mystery. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The idea that healing was certainly something Jesus did and manifested to mankind, but it was explained away that Jesus was the Son of God, and so certainly he would be able to heal the sick. And healing continued after he was risen from the dead in the first generation of the church. But the idea was that when the last apostle died, all that healing mercy of God did, it was done away with. Malachi 3.6, on the other hand, God speaking of himself, he said, I am the Lord God, I change not. So if God's ever done anything for anybody, it means he will always do the same for those who reach out in faith. But the fourth key that I found to spiritual development is really the one that all the others are based on and it becomes the basis for spiritual growth and that is that the Bible is an owner's manual for life. One of the things that being around Brother Hagen did for me is that it showed me an example, provided an example for me for somebody that walks with God and operates on the principles of the scripture in such a way that the presence of God becomes a natural experience and the blessings of God are realized. I look back on my life and wonder how in those first 20 years of my life I could not have rec recognized that the word of God is given to us to teach us how to walk in God's perfect will. To reveal to us just how good God is and always is. The Bible tells us that God punishes us, chastises us, disciplines us through his word, not through circumstance. 
not through sickness and disease. But he does chasten us, but that's through the word. He uses his word to instruct us, not tragedies, not circumstances of evil. But it's only through his word that we can come to know him and worship him in spirit and in truth. I want you to look with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That phrase, reasonable service, is really spiritual worship. Jesus, in talking to the woman at the well of Samaria, said that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, we charismatics are real big on worshiping in spirit. And by that, we mean speaking in other tongues or singing in other tongues. And those are great things to do. But what God is looking for is our spiritual worship, is to bring our body under control. To make our spirit dominate our flesh. That simple truth is beyond most of the nominal Christianity, religions, or denominations that exist in the world. So I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's a transformation that takes place in the life of every believer. The transformation may be a slow and simple confirmation, being conformed, to the image of this world. And I look at myself and look at my own life. And I have to realize that I fell into that category. I was conformed to the world in the way that I thought. As I said earlier, it was about a year and a half period of time between when I first heard the word and it had literally no impact upon me other than a year and a half later I remembered it. I'd like to be able to say that the first time I heard the truth I embraced it with all of my heart. 
But that wasn't the case. I was so conformed to the things of the world, the truth of the word really had little impact upon me at all. But a year and a half later, I listened again. And from that point forward, I consumed everything I could get a hold of. Notice the transformation that God intends for us to experience. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. This word transformed means metamorphosis. We all know how monarch butterflies go from being a, a, a worm-type caterpillar to becoming a, a butterfly is that a transformation takes place. They build that cocoon around themselves. And when they come out of the cocoon, they are transformed into another type of being, no longer a caterpillar, but a butterfly. That's the transformation that this word in the Greek really means. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we'll build ourselves a, a cocoon based on the word of God, we'll come out on the other side flying above the restrictions of this earth. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, folks, I don't believe God's got four wills. I don't believe he's got a, a perfect, acceptable, and good will of God. I believe all of his, his will is perfect, acceptable, and good. And he's talking about God's best. He's talking about you and I receiving God's best. Now, how are we going to do that? Well, verse 3 gives us the answer. I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Notice the words of himself are in italics. That means the translators added those words to help us understand. It really reads, for I say unto every man among you not to think more highly than he ought to think. Now that would certainly include what we think of ourselves. But really it takes away the meaning because it implies that man will normally think too highly of himself. But I don't think that's the case in spiritual growth. I think people think of themselves too lowly. I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, 
according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Our thinking should be sober thinking. Now the word soberly means disciplined. But the root word that this word comes from means not ruled by emotions. So Paul is saying that we need to transform, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. By thinking not ruled by emotions in every respect of our lives. And notice he connects the measure of faith with the things that we're commanded to think. As I said before, we're, con- we're ruled by our confessions. The measure of faith is to believe in the heart and to say with the mouth. Every blessing of God Every benefit that comes from God through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross comes as a result of our confessing that it's ours. One of the things I've seen over the years is that most people have a very Minimal understanding of righteousness. I was in that category for a long, long time. And I was regularly chastised by the devil, bringing thoughts to my mind about my own worth as a believer, as a child of God. And so I did something that was for me a novel experience or experiment, really. I began to confess that I was the righteousness of God. Not because of anything that I'd done, not because of any victory I had won over my flesh. Just because God's word says that I was. So I began to confess, I am the righteousness of God. And from that point in time, over the next several months, God revealed to me things in the scripture, things that I had either never seen before or if I had seen them, hadn't let them affect me. And it made a huge difference in my spiritual growth and spiritual development. I came to understand that his righteousness is not based on whether I do something good or gain a victory on my own. His righteousness was the result 
and the byproduct of Jesus being made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For the first time, it became real to me that there's no, therefore now no condemnation. Romans 8, 1 tells us. There's no condemnation to the children of God, even as they stumble in, in and out of sin. It brought an understanding to me that Paul was experiencing or had experienced sometime in his life the same thing that I was going through. He was unable, according to his own testimony in Romans chapter 7, he was unable to control his flesh even though he wanted to from his heart. And when I say heart, I mean the spirit, the real man, the man on the inside. But he came to the understanding even while he was unable to control his flesh and bring his flesh under submission, he came to the realization that the righteousness of God, the shed blood of Jesus, was pure enough and was holy enough to make a way for him to escape the condemnation of the flesh. Folks, the only way we're going to be able to exercise authority here on this earth and to walk in the power that's given to us in the name of Jesus, the only way that's going to become a reality to us is if we begin to confess and say to ourselves that we are who God says we are. I came across somebody a couple of weeks ago that has gone from being on the same spiritual development, spiritual growth track that I'm on, but somewhere along the way they got discouraged and abandoned it. And I've never seen somebody more miserable downcast, defeated than this individual was. They had the same opportunity to develop. They had the same access to the teaching that I had, have, But somewhere along the way, they'd just become a hearer of the word and not a doer. James said, writing to the church, to be a doer of the word and not a hearer, deceiving your own self. I've never seen anybody more self-deceived than this individual. 
Now, folks, God doesn't settle up every Friday night. There are things that come as a result of year after year after year of discipline. But there is a reckoning and there is a reward. God may not settle up on the first of every month but sooner or later, he does settle up. And I honestly believe that has a lot to do with the glorious church in the last days. We've been pastoring this church for almost 37 years. And I've lived my life in front of you. Now when you stand for God and the things of God for that length of time, it provides something for you. You know what that is? It enables you to be criticized by people that have done nothing. But oh, we found God faithful. When I woke up this morning and saw the rain, we've been praying for the rain. And even though we've been praying for spiritual rain, it's not uncommon to see the rain come down naturally as a sign from heaven. Some years back, many years ago, when we started the building on this property, we were trying to save money in any, any and every way that we could. And so there was a, about a two-year period where we let go of the renovated building that we had and just started meeting in a school just up the road not too far from here. We stayed there longer than we expected to or planned to. But the way the school was built, it was an open classroom setting, what they called an open classroom setting. We had the school cafeteria to use for our main service. But the only thing we had for the kids was a place outdoors. And we stayed there in that school for two years and it never rained on a Sunday. Never. Never even a sprinkle. I see that as a supernatural work of God. Folks, you've got seed planted in the ground that's going to come up in these last days 
a harvest that you're going to reap in these last days that'll be unlike anything you've ever experienced before. Just as the Bible tells us that men will get worse and worse, it talks about the operation of government against the church. And with some of the things that are happening in Washington, D.C., as well as in the states and the state capitals and so forth, it's mind-boggling. I mean, people have to be completely deceived to be doing the things they're doing and promoting the things they're promoting. But just as the, the enemy's work is increasing, God's work will increase even more. These are perilous times as Paul wrote to Timothy. But there are also times of blessing. We've got a lot of things that God will settle up with us. Things we've been waiting for for years, perhaps. But there is a harvest coming. Brother Hagin used to tell us to be careful that we don't think that other people are where we are. What he meant by that is that he said he saw a lot of faith teachers that were teaching faith not based on where they came from, but based on where they are now. And so he encouraged us to always go back to the beginning. He said the difference it makes is whether or not the people look at you, the minister, as a person that's strong in faith, but instead recognizing that they themselves can be strong in faith. I've been careful to do that is that I really don't tell too many stories about myself. I tell a lot of Brother Hagin's stories, at least I used to. And the end result of that is that your strength is increased. You're the ones that have spoken and believed God's word. Therefore, you're the ones that'll reap the harvest. And watching over it to form it.
There we go. What were you doing? We were about to pray, weren't we? Let's pray. Father, we found you faithful. Faithful to watch over your word to perform it. And so I pray over these people with great expectation and great joy, knowing that they have put your word first by planting the seed of your word in their lives. And I thank you, Father, for bringing that word to pass. I thank you, Father, for straightening out family situations that people have been believing for. I thank you, Father, for bringing into reality the finances that they've claimed and believed you for. I thank you, Father, for bringing to pass your mercy to heal. even as you did in the early days of the church. Father, we pray peace over this people. We believe this is our year of jubilee, Lord. Father, we thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against them in judgment, they shall condemn. For our righteousness is of you. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors because you've loved us. We are led by the Holy Ghost and quickened by the Spirit of God to the Word of God. Father, we thank you that your favor is upon your people in greater measure than we've ever experienced it. Father, these people have put spiritual growth and spiritual development first and foremost in their lives. So, Father, we expect the word to bear fruit. We expect a harvest unlike anything other that we've ever seen before. We believe in you, Father. And we thank you for bringing it to pass. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Folks, I've begun to see you in a different way. I believe it's because of the time that we've come into 
Smith Wigglesworth used to say that God would pass over a million people to get to one person in faith. He's got a whole lot of passing over to do for our sakes. Let's conclude this service by making our confession again. This is our year of Jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Are you believing for that? Well, if you're making your confession with us, you are. Folks, we love you. Have a great day. Plan to come back with us tonight for the concert at 5.